This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. So here we are again, the tennis podcast from Roland Garros. Catherine Whitaker is in Paris. Myself, David Law, I'm not, but I have been following things with interest. And it has been just another, Catherine, intriguing day. Every day at the moment seems to throw something up. And we've we've had a big shock today with the demise of Alina Svitolina, who I think many people thought this was going to be her time. We keep talking about her in the same breath as Alexander Zverev, as the players who keep winning big at the Masters Series events, but not being able to translate it into the slams and Zvera very nearly went as well today so it's it's all happening what, what's the atmos like on the ground there yeah I feel like it's in the last 24 hours that this tournament has really caught a light with starting with the Serena Williams Ash Barty match which really was a thriller and then it's kind of followed through into today thanks David and Charlie by the way for uh, for filling the void while I sort of fell into a, a cheese coma <laughs> yesterday evening (laughs) but it's very good to be back um so yeah the last 24 hours has been by far the best I think so far in this French Open I think Alina Svitolina and uh, Grigor Dimitrov would probably disagree but it was a weird one because I see parallels um status wise in Alina Svitolina and Sasha Zverev they've They've both completely proven themselves. Everyone's convinced of their ability there. They're coming in here. Svitolina was the joint favourite along with Halep. Zverev, the second favourite for the men's title, albeit a distant one. But they've completely not failed... To, but they completely have failed to, to prove themselves at, at Grand Slam level and their, their matches didn't entirely overlap but you know they were both in trouble and you kind of thought they could they could really both go here Svitolina are losing out to I mean look Bizanescu is a great story a really great story she's 30 years of age she's seeded here at a slam for the very first time in her career she's seeded 31st she was used as an example in the 
in the general debate about Serena Williams and and seeding for for mothers post-pregnancy at the time it looked like she might have ended up being the 32nd seed and therefore would have been the one being being bumped out of a seeded position having worked so hard and done so brilliantly um, to earn that place apparently this statistic comes from Joe Jury so I've no reason not to doubt no reason to doubt it but apparently she's won more matches she's won more tennis matches than anybody else in the past 12 months I first became really aware of her when she reached the final in Prague um, a few weeks ago lost out to Petra Kvitova there she's from Romania she's yeah she's she's a wonderful story an absolutely wonderful story and despite having had that amazing year I don't think anyone was picking her to beat Alina Svitolina in two straight sets but uh, there it is and what was the feeling was the feeling that she took it from Svitolina or did Svitolina not show up properly today in all honesty, David, I didn't watch the match. I was busy. We've been focusing mostly on Longlen today, and that match was over on court number one, which is interesting because Switzerland has had pretty high billing up until this point. Today has been a cracking order of play, I have to say. The fact that Eurosport decided to focus attention on Longlen shows how good the matches are there, and Chatrier has been the same. But I didn't see much of the match. She's a she's a very canny tennis player um Bizanescu, and I I suspect what happened is I think Svitolina likes to to play with other people's place uh, uh, pace rather I think um Simona Halep once described her ball as kind of like a, a, fl- a really floaty tennis ball um you know she doesn't generate her own pace Svitolina she 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 likes to absorb the pace of others, and I don't think Bizanescu is um, much of a power player. But still, I find that surprising because I thought if Svitolina was going to lose, it would be to somebody that could hit through her. I thought she, I think I had her in my predictions losing to Kvitova, um, who incidentally may well yes. not even make it onto court today uh, for her match against Annette Contivate because. Uh, of course, Suzanne Longlen is going so long, uh, courtesy mostly of um, the four-set match between Roberto Bautista Agut and Novak Djokovic, which felt for a while like it might go on forever. Currently, uh, David Goffin and uh, Gael Monfils are midway through the first set in a match. Which, I mean, each rally, David, is taking about a minute and a half. So uh, Petra Gavitova <laughs> somewhere here is um is uh contemplating quite a long wait to to potentially uh, be sent home for the night but um yeah they're, they're actually in a first set tiebreaker uh Goffin and Monfils as you say every rally is just an epic uh, individual item um incidentally uh I, I'm reading a piece here uh by Courtney Nguyen who we know well from the WTA who wrote about Michaela Buzanescu and, and actually confirms that sort of statistic you just quoted from Joe Jury apparently she went from the top 500 to her top 40 debut inside nine months I mean that is an incredible rise isn't it? Um, and she's also a PhD student. I mean, you know, she studied uh, uh, physical education, sport in, in Bucharest as she waited for her body to heal after she had a lot of injuries. It's, it's a little bit similar to, is it Sevastova who's got a similar kind of story who took some time out of the yes, game and, is, yeah. and, and healed her body, you know, and, and here she is playing the best tennis of her life later on. I mean, it's, it is 
it is one of those things that happens more these days and actually if you get time to just sort of drill into the stories and you kind of need them to to have a result like this because now suddenly everybody is interested in Mihaela Bazinescu of Romania to find out about her and we we suddenly unearth all this stuff I mean some people obviously are, are like Courtney are, are following the tour and, and on the circuit and, and they they delve in a lot earlier than perhaps we do but yeah great story and uh a PhD student. And the, and the same David would have gone, the exactly the same words would have applied to Demir yes. Jumher, who was one point away from beating second seed Sasha Zverev today on Philippe Chetri. His story is extraordinary. We've sort of referenced it before on the tennis podcast, but if you have chance to, to properly delve into the story of Demir Jumher from Bosnia-Herzegovina, his... Um, his childhood tennis club where he learnt to play was bombed uh, during during the war um, and uh, yeah he practically had to make himself a tennis player with absolutely zero resource and, and barely a, a tennis court to even play on um, and uh, yeah it's a story that deserves to be told and brought to the attention of as many people as possible and uh, had he won one extra point today um, an awful lot more people would be uh, remembering the name but he still played a very big part in an extraordinary match and David an extraordinary match that may end up who knows um, putting paid to Zverev's chances this year it could go either way couldn't it we're really going to find out well what's your take Based on what you've seen, I mean, we had that five setter for Zverev a couple of a few days ago, and we, we were talking that you we were talking about that one when he played against Lajovic. What, what what do you think about this one? Because I mean, I thought that he would go on from that five setter and just frankly manhandle Zuma as good a player as he is. I thought his subtle spins and so forth that Zverev would just sledgehammer his way through all that. And he took the first set six two, then he lost the next couple of sets. Frankly, Zuma got himself into a winning position, I think four two up, uh, leading two sets to one in the fourth set, four two up, and he didn't close. What what was your sense? Was this a really below par Alexander Zverev? My feeling going into the match was exactly the same as you. I thought one five setter e.g. the Lajovic five-setter, good news for Alex Verev. I felt like he was strong enough physically to, to cope with it and not to to drain his canister too much um, for the matches ahead, but that it would harden him by just the right amount and give him the right amount of confidence and belief. Two back-to-back five-setters? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that that is good news at all for for Zverev he may well prove me wrong this could be the maturing and the making of Zverev before our very eyes um, but the the words I had ringing in my ears were those of Boris Becker a couple of years ago at Queen's when uh, he had just coached Djokovic to um, the crowning glory of his career here at Roland Garros winning finally the French Open having beaten Andy Murray in the final and Boris was asked what the difference was between the two in that very close um, final between Murray and Djokovic and he said I can't remember the exact number of hours. was it eight, um, was it eight hours the difference in the time they'd spent on court prior to the final David was it as many as eight it was certainly a big it, difference it was, between the two it, you know wasn't Murray it? had been Murray taken had those to epics yeah, early on. against Matthias Borg and then by Radek Stepanek in the in the first couple of rounds and I think there was a a match with a lot of tie breaks against John Isner in there and, and it, whatever the number was and I have a funny feeling that it, it might have been as many as eight hours that was what Boris thought made the difference in the final as simple as that so I, I had those words ringing in my ears he may well prove us wrong we know how hard he's worked physically with uh, 
with Jez Green, uh, his fitness trainer, of course, previously um, a fitness trainer of Andy Murray. But we are sure going to find out what Alex Verov is, is physically and mentally made of over the course of the next two weeks. Or maybe not the next two weeks. He's going to have a test on his hands in the next round. Either Puy or Hachinov, who are currently battling it out on uh, Philippe Chatrier. Hachinov... Uh, was in the lead in the first set last time I checked. But, um, David, you you quickly say something and I'll have a look at where that match is at. Yeah, I mean, it it is interesting because I I do have a feeling that as much as Zverev is struggling at the moment and two back-to-back five-set matches at this stage of a Grand Slam is not what he would have wanted, not against the the sort of opposition he was up against. He's supposed to handle those couple of players comfortably um, on paper. But I, I always have... I've seen it so many times with other players that, that winning five setters is the making of them. And I, I even think back to the Australian Open at the start of this year when Kyle Edmund did it. You know, he beat Kevin Anderson in five. He then beat, was it Basilashvili in five? You know, he was finding a way through and suddenly when he came up against Grigor Dimitrov in the quarters, he delivered and he got to a semi-final. I kind of feel like that might be what happens here for Zverev, Hatchinov or, or Puy, well, neither one of them is, is a gimme. Hatchinov um, took it, the first set, either... uh, just to update you, 6-3. They're on serve in the second. That's why, it's, it's, yeah. it's, that's I mean, why it, it sounds be... a bit quiet on Philippe Chatrier yeah. at the moment. Either Nishikori or team. Nishikori's playing well at the moment. And team actually up against Berrettini. That one's not done yet as we talk to you. But... Um, I mean, I think the other one, you, you mentioned briefly Djokovic winning through in a match that did seem to take forever against Batista. Gert, he got through in four, 6-2 in the fourth. Um, but I, I found the conversation you had with Boris Becker last night very interesting on, on Djokovic and, and how he just feels he isn't there yet. I mean, we, we've speculated about it. We've given our views on it. But to hear it from, jo- from Be- Becker, who knows him up close... And he, he knows that he, he's scrabbling around at the moment still, trying to find his real self. Yeah, w- without doubt, the, the noises we're hearing is, is that he's, he's not there and we're perhaps expecting too much from him too soon still. And to, to, to assume that, you know, on the basis of a couple of, of good dialed-in performances that he's, you know, in quotes, back is just unrealistic. It's not going to happen like that. I do hear sort of... I've not heard anybody say explicitly on record, you know, Boris didn't quite say, I don't think he's practising as hard as he he was at the top of his game. But he did talk about the the mechanical robotic elements of his game and how that only came with thousands and thousands of balls hit on the practice court. And he said, you know, that's what's missing at the moment. So by implication, I take that to mean, you know, from what I tell, he's he's working hard, you know, he's practicing every day. Uh, you know, I'm not suggesting he's slacking off, but it, in terms of the relentlessness of what he put in at the very top to, to you know, he, he just didn't miss, David. He didn't miss, did he? He had that extraordinary length on every single ball, never dropped a ball short, never missed. And that only, you know, as much as it seems like magic and it seems like something that, you know, gets out of bed and just does, or it seemed like it at the time, it wasn't. He said it came with thousands and thousands of balls hit on the practice court and... Uh, yeah, you can't can't conjure that out of nowhere. So, yeah, I think he's still searching for his reason to be on the tennis court. I thought today against Batista Agut 
might be difficult for him because um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where you are. Everybody is if the what's happened with uh, Bautista Agut recently. But his um, his mother died out of the blue ten days ago. Ten days ago, just just three days, I think, before the start of this tournament. His um, his father is in ill health as well, and he's an only child. It really is a completely. Um, seismic thing for Roberto Batista Agut and there are echoes of the situation we had here with Steve Johnson last year where he was just playing on through the through the grief because it was all he knew how to do you know he didn't didn't see any other any other way to to put one foot in front of the other and, and keep moving so I mean, obviously, incredible that that Bautista Agut's here, made the third round, was able to do what he did against Djokovic today. But I thought Djokovic might struggle to to get energised and to to get in the face of of, uh, of Bautista Agut because he's what he's going through. I thought he might be too respectful um, of that emotional turmoil to to really get himself pumped up for the for the fight if that makes sense but um he he did it he found a way to do it respectfully i don 't think he was in the face of Bautista group but certainly in those um last couple of sets he really found uh, a bit of fire a bit of fire he certainly looked a lot less a to. lot less flat yeah. out there so we 'll see Vadasco next um yeah <laughs> Vadasco next. That's a tough draw, isn't it? I mean, Vadasco against Dimitrov, I mean, he handled him comfortably, really, after a tough tie-break first set. He just dominated uh, Grigor Dimitrov, and who still never got to the, the, the second week of this particular tournament, and he's going to start plummeting in the rankings soon. But, I mean, yeah, Djokovic, Vadasco, that could go either way. It, but it's, I wonder whether it might be that sort of match that brings out the animal in, uh, in Djokovic, because... because Ultimately, I think that that's what's going to be required if he's going to maximise his potential here and get back to what he was. That, we saw a bit of that from Serena Williams yesterday, didn't we? We saw the, the real fire in the belly from her and, and, and that's what these champions have to di- dial into at some point. Yeah, but then equally, you know, we, we keep talking about it. I do, I do as much as anyone in terms of, you know, it, it almost being like flicking a switch and him finding that one thing and everything I'm hearing from, you know, Boris Becker and Mats Volander and people who know far better than me is is just not going to work like that. It's not going to be a question of uh, if it if it just all falling into place and him being the guy that he was a couple of years ago. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I love I love how it, I love how I love Nadal, the atmosphere on on these courts when you're waiting for for Djokovic to walk out because there's such a sort of feeling of of mystery and inertia and of wondering what's what's going to present itself on the court and not knowing to what, what to expect. You know, the the defining feature of Djokovic a couple of years ago it's of his during his dominance was that you knew exactly what to expect. You know, he, he was... he was, his, his brutal monotony never let you down. And now you just don't know what to expect from him. And it's no, fascinating. No. So similar to, to Nadal two or three years ago uh, and, and with him it wasn't a switch I think probably because Federer won that Australian Open after the long layoff we just assume that that is what happens with, with everybody and, and, and well it doesn't uh, and, and this is another example of that um, incidentally 
how close are you to the Philippe Chatrier court at the moment? Because I, I've heard a couple of roars down our Skype line. And, and sure enough, Luca Puy broke serve. I mean, it, it's an incredible atmosphere, isn't it? Well, I mean, there's two French players on at the same time at the moment with, with him and Monfils. Yeah, I can see the flags of the Philippe Chatrier court fluttering over my right shoulder and I can hear the umpire announcements. And when something particularly big happens, I can, uh, I can hear the roars. But I'm currently ensconced in the... Broadcast compound. I'm a lot nearer to a very large air conditioning unit than, than I am to uh, the Philippe Chetrier court. But yeah, they're they're um, they're having a ball. The French here today I had a very very interesting chat about Gaël Monfils uh, later. Our producer decided the only way we could possibly try and fathom the enigma that is Gaël Monfils would be to uh, to try and chat to a Frenchman, uh, an enigma himself, Henri Leconte, and he just said. No one will ever fathom the enigma that is Gael Monfils, pretty much. And uh, no. yeah, he's won the first set though against Davy Goffin. So yeah, well, that that one will go late into the night. One suspects. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking. And I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. A look at the women's draw here, Catherine, results from today and some pretty straightforward wins as well. Caroline Wozniacki having struggled early on a little and we wondered really how long her French Open might last because she's not always that comfortable on it. Six love, six three over Pauline Parmentier today. Madison Keys. Yeah, there were moments, David, when that... (laughs) That had double bagel written on it, yeah, <laughs> which for a French woman on Philippe Chatrier is um, is is not an it's an, not an indignity. I, I wish on anyone, no. so I'm very glad it didn't pan out that way. Wozniacki looking utterly dominant, but I, I'm still I'm still not convinced that she really believes she can win the French Open. That's what I'm not convinced by. 
No. Madison Keys won the big hitting contest against Naomi Osaka, 6-1, 7-6. She was very impressive, David. Kept very impressive run. indeed, Keys. Really? Yeah, if she can stay together physically, um, then I think, you know, no one's talking about her. That's the thing with her, though, isn't it? A, the physicality, and B, the, the potential, the possibility that she just might, as John McEnroe says, lay an egg one day and, and throw in a <laughs> terrible performance. Because, I mean, remember at the Australian Open where she was just destroying everybody, and then she came out of the things against Angelique Kerber, and she couldn't hit a barn door from 10 paces. You know, it was just a completely different player because of the way she goes about it. But... Yeah, I mean, somebody here is going to make a name for themselves. And, and she's got a, a Yelena Ostapenko-type game. So why not? Wouldn't that be an interesting story? Kazakina, somebody else that could uh, make a name for, for herself. She has got Wozniacki next. And that, Wozniacki is, I mean, she, she's dealt with it as well as she possibly possibly can. Barely lost a game, Wozniacki. But she has had a relatively... Uh, simple draw, simple passage through to round four. Things are not going to be simple next when she plays Kazakina. Mm. But Buzanescu, incidentally, is is on the doubles court and she won in mixed doubles. <laughs> so so she, she she's a busy woman this week. Um, a couple of another doubles result I note is uh, the Williams sisters have won as well. I mean, it's just so intriguing, isn't it? We were talking with Charlie last night about what what he thought. He does not think we're going to get Sharapova Ooh. against Serena Williams in the fourth round they've both got to come through their respective third round matches Williams against Yulia Gergers and uh, Sharapova against Karolina Pliskova what do you think I think we will get it actually David I don't think I would have said that yesterday um but uh I in my predictions I certainly uh, I really I feel like Sharapova is winning that one against Pliskova I do I mean it's it's a bit of a toss of the coin because we know exactly what they'll both do and it just it just depends who's who's firing that that bit better on the day i don't think there'll be a huge amount of tactics going on it's just who woke up on the better side of the bed um and with uh, serena and and gerges i don't know it might be a little bit of heart not head happening here but um i she started to convince me last night about against Ash Barty she started to convince me so uh, and the points will be shorter against Gerges so yeah I I think we're gonna get it I think we're gonna get it I think so too hooray hooray <laughs> we'll see um, match point incidentally for Dominic team against Matteo Berrettini at the moment of Italy talking of Italians as well tomorrow on Saturday we're going to be getting Fabio Fanini against uh, Kyle Edmund talked about that with Charlie as well what do you think I think that is going to be um, spicy, but I do. I think that Kyle Edmund n- knows that he can weather a Fanini storm. I think he will take the attitude of, "Okay, you're you're playing some brilliant stuff. Try and do this over five sets because I can physically go five sets with you easily today. And if you can do a Fanini for five sets, then good luck to you." You know, you deserve the win. But I think he's got the maturity now to to not panic when Fanini's doing his thing uh, and to know that that physically he is the stronger. Not that Fanini's not strong, but watching the way he broke down against Nadal in Rome, um, I just uh, I, I question his uh, five-set stability. So I'd be very surprised if it's a straight setter. I'd be very surprised if Fanini doesn't turn it on for 
for good chunks of it, I just think that Edmund will be the overall stronger on the day. So, Catherine, I I will let you go because it's going to go late into the night. The order of play hasn't even come out yet because they do like to take their time. They like a good nap over there. Um, Just just very quickly, Catherine, one of the people I saw you speak to yesterday, you set up a a lovely little chat between... uh, to Yorkshiremen, uh, and I very much enjoyed that. Uh, the uh, the journalist that's been creating all the headlines and Carl Edmund, and uh, they seem to get along famously. They did. They talked about all things Yorkshire, did Carl Edmund and Jonathan uh, Pinfield. That is my favourite thing that I've done uh, all week, all tournament here in Paris. It was, uh, yeah, it was lovely. You know, we're always thinking about... He's, um, he's a lovely lad, Carl Edmund. I really like him. I think he comes across really well. I... I'm full of admiration for for his attitude and the way he goes about his job. But it, I think it's fair to say he's a pretty he's quite serious, isn't he? He's quite straight and, you know, answers answers questions very earnestly, which, you know, I respect, but we're sort of constantly looking for ways to to bring out the lightness in him, I suppose, to to, to bring a bit of joviality out in him interview wise, and I'm sure it will come naturally over time, but you know, we, we try and force the issue a bit by having kooky ideas like introducing him to uh, to Jonathan Pinfield. And um <laughs> well, I, I thought it I thought it went quite well. The editor uh, back in uh, Eurosport Towers in Feltham did a cracking job on it and uh, yeah it is available on the internet heavily tweeted by Jonathan Pinfield himself who is becoming quite the uh, he's a walking media circus David he's going to have an agent soon (laughs) brilliant okay Catherine uh, nearly cheese board time so you go and uh, do some more work do your highlights links all that kind of thing Um, it's five love for Goffa now in the second set so it's going to be one of those soap opera matches going to go on for all our lives David (laughs) still be happening when we're back here tomorrow excellent great well we'll be back with another tennis podcast tomorrow and we are daily throughout the french open of course in fact all of the grand slam tournaments if you'd like to leave us a review if you're enjoying the shows please do so on itunes tell people uh, about the show if 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 you think they might enjoy it it always helps us to to just grow the audience and and our little tennis podcast community uh, we are brought to you of course in association with the telegraph loads of great stuff being written in there by simon briggs and charlie eccleshare so check that out over the weekend there'll be some really good articles i'm sure um we are also executive produced by melanie bows by tennisballs.com by triple s uh, we've had some fantastic tennis podcastaways uh the entries into our competition for a, a three-day holiday in la manga club with a couple of days of uh, training as well uh, you just have to basically get your pictures in of you uh, consuming the tennis podcast on your phone somewhere lovely with animals maybe in it with your tennis podcast t-shirt on whatever it is incidentally a couple of days of free postage if you're in the uk and you want to get your your t-shirts in uh, which say tennis podcast to show your your love for us well i'm sure i'm sure that's something you want to do uh and we also have of course charlie the ferret is our mascot we'll be back tomorrow a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 